Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome into the DNVR Avalanche Podcast. I'm Rudo. She's Megan. Over in Canada, that's AJ. Uh, we're talking a little bit of uh, what ifs in Avalanche history today. It should be a fun show. I don't know that we'll get into anything too crazy serious, but maybe we will. Who knows how it goes. Uh, we did talk, or at least I talked a little bit about this last week on the Denver Sports Podcast. We talked about some of the more recent ones there. I wanted to start off today, given that yesterday was the 28th anniversary of them being named the Avalanche. What if they were actually named the Extreme like they were supposed to be? Would they still exist? Would they still be a franchise? <laughs> There's something about that be? name that feels a little bit like a fake name made for a sports team in a movie <laughs> and not a real sports team in real life. I don't know about the longevity of the Extreme. It it does have minor league team vibes Written to it, like it, yeah. like uh you know like the the Montgomery Biscuits, you know <laughs> like where you're just like what what is the Rocky Mountain Extreme? Are you guys kidding with this? Like this is silly. Extreme what? <laughs> yeah. Extremely rocky mountains. Yeah, it was extremely the nineties. That's what that's what it was. <laughs> It was extreme long before Mountain Dew got there. <laughs> uh, yeah, so just wanted to touch on that one. As I'm sure most of our chat already knows that at one point they were going to be called the Extreme, but the owners thought better of going with the fan vote on that one, thankfully. So uh, honestly, we could even stay kind of in that realm of what if what if the Nordiques had not moved and the Avs had gotten an expansion? You know, it had been an expansion franchise at some point in the 90s or early 2000s when they had that big wave would yeah. Den- would Denver have eventually gotten another hockey team or would it just have been left out in the cold entirely so i i actually had another idea with this because i think in reality maybe the potential way that quebec doesn't move is what if eric lindros actually plays for them and then and then they end up with Eric Lindros and Joe Sackick on that yeah, team. Right. Good. God. And like you know, maybe the, the owners still run out of money and they have to sell or whatever, but certainly there would be even more star power there if Lindros decided to stay and, and Quebec stays. I I have to imagine Colorado would have been one of the, the destinations for an expansion team. 
had Quebec not moved, obviously they wouldn't have the history of winning right away and all of that. But I have to imagine there would still have been a team in Colorado. Yeah, I mean, instead of Columbus, maybe maybe the yeah. Avs end up with what the Blue Jackets got. And the Avs, Avalanche history looks like what Blue Jackets history <laughs> does because they... Because they got the, they had to start their franchise in that early 2000s wave where it was very, very hard to make a good hockey team out of the expansion rules that they had in place where it was just a ton of third and fourth line guys and, hey, we'll put you near the top of the draft. Yeah. I. This podcast would be a lot sadder if it was columbus's history for the abs uh but hey maybe uh minnesota and colorado were destined to be enemies no matter what if that was the case i uh our podcast logo certainly would look a lot different (laughs) i don't i don't don't think there would be any of those numbers on there because joe sackick wouldn't have been the gm and so all the things that would have happened after that may not have uh may not have taken place it would have been a totally alternate universe we've the, the funny part is, is that Colorado-Columbus connection still lives because maybe Chris McFarland would have ended up the AGM like he did in Columbus. Aww. <laughs> Oof, man, that's a, that's a tough reality. I don't want to live in that reality. I'm glad that what if didn't play out. I feel confident I mean, we that w- hockey would have, an NHL team would have been in Colorado. One way or another. One way or another. Okay. At least we'd have hockey. At least we'd have hockey. It just might not be good. <laughs> Some uh, some cities got to live with that. I mean, that's like that's been like Buffalo's heart song for like fifteen years. Oof, oof. Watch it two times the speed to catch up. That's really funny. There you go. Easy life. Fun fact: you can game YouTube with that. Do you watch our whole pod at two x speed? That's we what get, I do every day. We get two hundred percent viewer retention for that because it's like you watched it twice. Oh. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> All right, so now I'm going to make a bunch of YouTube burners and just two it's times the speed. <laughs> yeah. Two, 2.5. Uh, anyway, yeah, it it's, it's funny because obviously, like, we don't actually have the answers to all of these things. These are what ifs. It's just, Hey, maybe this is a thing that could have happened. So don't take any of the answers yeah. too seriously here, but how I go ahead. I think I think other ones uh, that that jump out to me that I'm uh, I'm not qualified enough to speak on because I was like nine when it happened. <laughs> but what if what if the Avs don't match the Joe Sackick Joe offer sheet yeah. and he becomes a New York Ranger? Yeah, uh, you know. And what if what if Timu Solani and Paul Correa were healthy? the year that they spent in Colorado, because as much as we talk about like, Oh, this is, this is a failure. And this is this, this is that, you know, whatever, whatever, whatever it's, uh, there's, there's also like, they weren't healthy and they never really got like that team never got off the ground. Expectations were always so high for them and they never really got a chance to like do their thing. So it's, uh, I, I feel like that stands out as a pretty big uh, what if as well. Yeah. I mean, I think there are a number of those. And if we're like kind of talking about the golden era of the abs or the classic era or whatever you want to call it. Yeah. What if 
Montreal doesn't just hang Patrick Waugh out to dry. And he doesn't demand a trade. Yeah. Like, dude, does Colorado ever win a cup, let alone the first one, without a Patrick Waugh in net? I'd, I'd be hard-pressed to think they win that first one, certainly. But you have to you have to wonder like with Pierre with Pierre Lacroix you know they would have done something sure like you know that that guy would have pounced and he would have he he knew that that was like the one thing that they were uh that they were really missing but what 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 if Patrick Waugh never happens and Pierre Lacroix has to look around the league and find another answer you know where where does that go does does Colorado become the team that makes the late career push for Dominic Hoshik after well he left Buffalo? Maybe. You know, does this do do does does it change an entire generation of Avs fans from believing <laughs> Patrick Waugh is the is the number one and <laughs> instead we're all Dominic Hoshik truthers? Like, is it how different is that? You know, like it's that I think is a a, a fun one because you know Pierre Lacroix would have done something. Big, bold, dramatic. He always did. He always found a way. Um, it would have been. It would have been. There's the, the alternate universe where Montreal does not screw up the Patrick Waugh relationship. Would be fascinating to see how the Abs adjust and you know if if they would have won any Stanley Cups, if they would have won more Stanley Cups, you know whatever whatever it could have been. Waugh was holding them back. AJ's right. No, I'm just kidding. Yep. <laughs> Confirmed. Uh, they would have won four of them. Yep. <laughs> uh, we might have a conversation about that a little bit later in the show, in law in a different position, perhaps. Ah. But uh, before we get to that, sticking with the golden era, another one that came to my mind. Uh, what if the salary cap didn't happen when it did, or at all? <laughs> Would it really matter that much for Peter Forsberg? Probably not. His career kind of petered out anyway fairly quickly after the implementation of the salary cap but Chris Drury might have stuck right. around it does Colorado keep together a stronger core and not experience that weird late 2000s we're not good anymore period I have no idea <laughs> yeah me either like I <laughs> I have no idea what the, uh, what what like what the fallout would have been. Like you're talking about a completely different league-wide landscape. Yep. It's uh, the Avs were going to have a lot of shoes to fill anyway. Obviously the Forsberg thing, but they were far from set in goal at that time as well as we know in our timeline where they. Rotated through a number of guys ranging from Jose Theodore to Peter Budai. So it it almost would have been ill-advised because of the natural end to players' careers as they begin to grow older and the need for young players to be ushered in and begin getting acclimated to the league and a new young core to emerge from that. There has to be a changing of the old guard and a turning of the page. And I don't know if prolonging that would have harmed maybe some of the young players that get brought into the fold and start a young core anew for Colorado. Even if like I'm thinking Matt Duchesne territory, but even if 
because we know that didn't quite that wasn't quite the permanent solution but i do feel it was a, a necessary change in direction that was going to come inevitably and that might have just delayed the inevitable by a couple years so do would the abs turn into what the red wings kind of became would the abs be the team getting into the playoffs every year to have a 25 year streak but not really that competitive by the end of it I say that, but like the Wings won a cup in 08, right? So, you know, there could be some rewards there. Yeah, you know, the Wings got the, uh, they had the Zetterberg Datsuk draft picks like late in the draft that became, certainly Datsuk was a Hall of Fame player. Zetterberg was, I know there are people out there who think he was. I, I don't really have a strong opinion on it, but like you get, you get those guys, you know, you get the elite talent out of the later rounds. And that's how, that's how this next generation of the wings even happened after, after all those guys had retired and moved on. Yep. The abs didn't have that. Like Paul Stasny was really good, but he just wasn't Pavel Datsuk, you know, for sure. He's not going to the hall of fame. <laughs> nope. Uh, but well, first of all, Megan, do you have any in this era? I don't want to steal any of your thunder. I, I figured more years would more come in the like 2010. Yeah, yeah. But I, I have a broader one that I wasn't sure if we should put some kind of a time limit on because a lot of these could relate to injury. Like if one injury didn't happen, what if? And I, I didn't want to go down that route. So I kind of wanted to grant us each one health card to grant to any Avalanche player except for Peter Forsberg. Oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> and we don't have to do it right now, but maybe something to be thinking about because it could be from more modern era. It could stem back a little bit later and still apply then to this golden era as well. But maybe just keep that in the back of the mind. Yeah, there is a topic semi-related that, that I do want to get to. So okay. I will get to that in a little bit. Since we were in this room, though, I did want to get to this. And you could look at this two ways. One... What if the Red Wings never went to the East? Or two, what if the Red Wings went to the East earlier? If they never go, are is this still like blood rivalry to the death to this day? And that that blood rivalry might be Detroit and New Jersey instead. Could well be, yeah. Uh and the other side of that is like what does something replace that on Colorado's side if if they do go like or is Colorado just kind of left on their own as the top team in the the I guess Dallas would probably be the one most likely to to fill that void a little bit but I don't know I, I it's hard for me to imagine a world where the Avs and Red Wings didn't hate each other <laughs> so interesting either way on that that front um i aj did you have any more from the classic era i don't really have too many others from this era yeah i mean i think there are there are smaller things like what if theo flurry resigned uh sure. what if they don't make the theo flurry trade and robin regeer becomes a top four defenseman for that next era of early 2000s defense robin regeer played 1100 games in the nhl he was very good so like that was a big loss, you know, in the Theo Fleury trade, what if they had traded Alex Tangay instead of Robin Regeer? Or what if they had traded Martin Skula instead? Like, you know, like there, there are some little tweaks that you could make in history that would have 
that could have serious changes because e- even though Regeer was a better NHLer than Martin Skula was, Skula played a, a meaningful role on the 0-1 Cup team. Maybe yep. that, that may not have happened with Regeer. So that's um, Tangay's goals in Game Seven are legendary. So yeah, definitely. Um, like that. Uh, those are. I know, those are all like little things that you can think about uh, of tweaks made along the way that you know, what if what if the Flyers had gotten out of their own way and gotten Ray Bork instead of the Avalanche, you know, stuff like yeah. that. Like what, man, it's it's hard because any one of those you can pick and just go down a rabbit hole of like the repercussions of over the last 20 years of how the entire league looks completely different mm-hmm. because of any one of these like random moves that we're talking about it's it's almost too hard to even think about because i did like if you're looking three years out from what if robin regare was an av i have no idea what that team looks like yeah is adam foot still an av i don't know like (laughs) does rob blake ever come i don't know (laughs) anyway uh, on that note, we are brought to you by Breckenridge Distillery. Sometimes to get into these what ifs, you might need a couple of drinks to really get down into the rabbit holes. So go check out Breckenridge Distillery if you haven't. They're known as the highest distillery in the country. Uh, their bourbon whiskey has won like literally double digit awards over the years. So see, it's 2016, 17, 18, 19, 21, 22, and three different awards in 2023 as well as a four-time winner of the Colorado Distillery of the Year by the New York International Spirits Competition. So they win a lot of awards for their really good alcohol is the the short list of what Breckenridge Distillery does. Uh, They also have an amazing gin alongside their bourbon that has won a bunch of awards. Uh, If you haven't been, you got to go check them out. As with some of our other products, they will be at the DNVR Broncos tailgate, so you can go get your drinks, uh, give them a taste there. Uh, if you're not local, you can go to BreckenridgeDistillery.com. You can get home delivery of their award-winning spirits, or, of course, they're available in all 50 states at your local liquor stores. So you can check your local retailer to find yourself some Breckenridge Distillery uh, yeah, alcohol. Enjoy it. Have the good stuff. And then when you drink too much and you wake up hang o- hung over the next day, that's where the shady rays come in, <laughs> all right? You put them on. You sneak into the office. Nobody notices a thing. They can't tell that you're asleep behind those sunglasses. It's perfectly fine. Uh, but they're actually good sunglasses, too. You can go over to ShadyRays.com to get yours today. When you buy two pairs or more, you get 50% off your entire order. They have dozens of styles, a bunch of polarizations. They even have ski and snowboard goggles, if that's your thing. They've got you fully covered. And the replacement policy is amazing. First 30 days, don't like them. You lose them or you break them. Just let them know, and they'll send you a new pair. Well, whatever suits your fancy. You can try a different pair. You can just get a replacement pair. They're awesome. Go to ShadyRays.com today. Use the DNVR code. Get some. Join the over 250,000 people that have given it five stars. Second period of the DNVR Avalanche podcast. Uh, moving into these, these future eras, and I want to get back to the injury one. Because I we could do the one-player injury card. I do like that. But the other question I had was, specifically for the Avalanche, what if no concussions? Because this spawns 
multiple eras of Peter Mueller, right. Joey Hishin, Connor Timmons, Bowen Byram, even someone like Jesse Winchester. It's it's so pervasive in, I'm sure, all hockey team history, but in Avs history especially, of how much it has affected not only players' careers, but what the Avs roster at times looks like. Does it make a meaningful difference if the Avs had less injuries over the course of some of these seasons? Like, how many seasons would you point out? We like, if they were healthier that year, I think last year a lot of us would feel like that. Are there a handful of other seasons like that over the years? Well, specific to concussions, because of how much it impacted players that hold a lot of value to the organization, just to include Byram in recent history being one of them, it would have a transformational impact on the trajectory of the avalanche if just concussions alone were no longer an issue. Sure. I, I certainly the modern Avs. I, I do think it's a little more one-offy when you're talking about someone like Mueller and a little bit earlier, but even that maybe could make a significant difference on some of those teams. Yeah, I think um, the combination of Peter Mueller and Joey Hishin in the same era, if you say, you know, maybe maybe Joey Hishin has exactly the same career where he was a really good AHLer. Um, but he even, you know, the, he even said that he was never the same after it. And that like part of, part of the question mark surrounding Joey Hishin was how small he was. Yeah. Um, but he helped make up for that by playing a really aggressive and feisty style. Uh, he was, he was a guy that just was not, uh, was not letting his size hold him back. And, Joey Hishin will stand out to me as a maybe maybe he doesn't become much in the NHL anyway, but maybe you know maybe he becomes freaking Nick Suzuki, you know, like maybe he becomes that kind of guy. And if you throw that dude onto a roster that already had Paul Stasny and you know Matt Duchesne, Ryan O'Reilly, like. Like Gabe Landeskog, like your your forward core is, it's pretty fun. Yeah, you know we're, it's pretty fun. That. So I I just think that um, yeah I I I think Hishin is probably the big one. But you remember Peter Mueller when he first got to Colorado was really he was good. So good. He was so next to Matt Duchesne, and yep. you remember a lot of the conversation in Colorado at the time was. How can we help Matt Duchesne? Yeah. How come we can't find a line mate for him? And getting, you know, if he had a uh, a Joey Hishin next to him, or maybe Joey Hishin and Peter Mueller next to him, you know, like it, there there could have been uh, just a totally different level for that era of Avalanche, where those two guys had they lived up to their potential. They didn't have the the head injuries take away from a meal. We, we might have seen a very different uh, avalanche era had had those cats gotten that that opportunity. But you know, maybe maybe nothing changes. Like there's always that possibility yeah. that not you know that 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 what we Peter saw Miller those had couple a hot of games month and a half and that was it. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. And it's stuff that you see all the time. You know, Sven Andrew Ghetto had a hot month and a half after the trade deadline too. Yep. 
Yep. And we saw he was he was he never got close to that again. And so it's you know it's I do think it's an interesting conversation. Uh, but it it also it's so it's so hard to project. But it is one Kishin's whole career certainly stands out as one that you just look at and say it because it happened so early on. He just never got a chance. Some of the misfortune too in Av's history has led to things being ushered into Colorado that ended up helping them so much. I think about Connor Timmons and would he have been an asset they were willing to part with to get Darcy Kemper if he didn't have any right. concussions. If he's in an his established history. NHLer at that point. Exactly. And so does Darcy Kemper come to Colorado? Do they win a cup with him in net if they do hold on to Connor Timmons because he stayed healthy? Look, this is a really August fascinating 11th. This this rabbit hole is actually amazing because you could say if they keep Connor Timmons, what if they get rid of Justin Barron or Drew Hellison instead? And then Lekkonen's off the table. And there's no Lekkonen and there's no uh, Josh Manson. Yeah. Or instead of instead of uh, if there's no Justin Barron, maybe maybe what they do is they end up uh, they end up moving like Sean Barron's, but the first round pick instead, uh, instead of a second rounder. And so they didn't have their own first this year, you know, like, yeah. like the, the, the trickle down of it not being Timmons, who we all kind of agreed at the time was like, yeah, that makes sense. Like <laughs> this, this is a, this is a, a smart play by Arizona who then turned around and immediately screwed it up. Yeah. They did not make a good deal. Yeah. And then, uh, it, and then, yeah, it's like, <laughs> that that rabbit hole of of do you even get Darcy Kemper because you remember it was Colorado and it was Edmonton yep. jockeying for position and the Abs willingness to put Timmins into that deal is what pushed them over the top okay so maybe if you take Timmins off the board maybe they don't want Justin Barron maybe they don't want Drew Hellison so it would be a it would be a really interesting that Megan that is a Great call out because that the implications of that are tremendous. Have we gone full hockey cavemen podcasts? Is this now? If it weren't for concussions, the Avs would have not won a Stanley Cup. Is that no? Is that no, no, that's no. <laughs> similar to Wah was holding them back. <laughs> uh, the ta- the takeaways from this pot are becoming pretty crazy. Hilarious. <laughs> Wah held them back, and thank God for concussions. <laughs> Jesus. August 11th hockey podcast, Yikes. folks. <laughs> uh, but I wanted to expand that to your your get-out-of-injury-free card. Someone in chat mentioned, mentioned Landis Cog, which I do think you might kind of have to discount given the recency bias no, there. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> oh, I do think it would be interesting, though, if you could take away the concussion early in his career, too. Because he, he's talked about it and he said, yeah, I had to back it off a little bit because of that. Similar to what Hishin said, obviously the impacts weren't nearly the same, but that's interesting. And then if I have to pick a player, I actually have two. One that I would actually pick and one that like just a personal thing that I would have liked to see him healthier. Uh, one would be Merrick Fados because I would have been really curious to see how his career played out. And maybe he doesn't end up being that good or anything, but he was supposed to be that guy in that era of Colorado. It's like, oh, they found their late round pick. This is the guy that that's the extra bonus because of the seventh rounder. Now they can start to put together an even better forward core. 
And AJ, I think I was talking to you off air the other day about how his shoulder was really the beginning of the end, and then his knee blew up, and that was it. Yep. Uh, and then the other guy for me, which do not think it would have changed the trajectory of the abs at all, but I wish Ryan Wilson could have been healthier. I loved his oh, play style. Oh, man. He was so fun. <laughs> that That is such a deep cut. That... <laughs> That one did hurt because watching him play was a lot of fun. The uh, uh, since we're on the injury guys, the other one that I that I think about a lot is Steve Connor Walchuk. Who, yeah. Hey, back in the organization. <laughs> Welcome back, Steve. Uh, but he the 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 chemistry that he had found with Sakic when yep. he got here was really special, and he was he was that kind of like glue guy. You know, high intangible, but could also really help you win some games along the way. Yeah, he was uh, he was definitely a dude. But I I'm I am going to disagree with you, Rudo. I am not discounting uh, Landis Cog's injury out of recency bias because <laughs> the Avalanche spent seven million dollars on a guy that they never got a chance to replace. If they had had Gabe Landis Cog available to them, and we actually got to see last year's team as it was built. I think I think it could have been quite a bit different. You know, the the you take away the all of the issues that they had in the postseason. Let's just magically say they have a healthy-ish roster, and even if you lose Helman Cogliano throughout the series to injury, I'm also going to just throw the throw in and say Nachushkin is there uh, as well. But it, like, if you have that that forward core with Comfer and Erod and Newhook and you know and and I guess Lars Eller, we can add him too. But but Landis Gog's actually healthy. I definitely think they beat Seattle, and I like the chances against Dallas because mm-hmm. I do. I I just think that he has such a transformational effect on their forward core that uh, this will be this this will be a, a great what if. And if the Abs don't win the Cup next year, it's two. And and he comes back. It's two years of this. Of you just lost Gabe Landis Gog for two years when he is coming off of like the three best years of his career, like he has been so good since getting put with McKinnon and Rantanen that even when they started moving him around, when they got Lekkonen and Chushkin, they got, they were deep enough that they were amazing. So, and I just, you can't take that away. And if he never plays again, he becomes a an almost Forsbergian level of what if about what happens if we get Gabe Landeskog in the entirety yeah. of his fucking thirties. Yeah, and and talking specifically about last year's playoffs, the thing about Landeskog is he essentially plays a pseudo center position for Colorado a fair amount of the time, and you start looking at that Av second line, and instead of JT Comfer being underwater or trying to force Lars Eller to work there. You probably end up with a Landy Miko. There's not really a center here, but it's fine. We'll make it work, and it makes them just significantly deeper all the way around. So, mm-hmm. and, uh, I yeah, obviously, I think Landeskog is the easy cash in card there if I'm allowed to do it. But I didn't want to make that rule because we're still in this room with Landeskog. Yeah. I'm uncomfortable by it. We have finality to Forsberg yeah. in Colorado and yeah. health. And with Landis Gog, I think that's why I didn't want to take Landis Gog off the table. It's just tough to talk about because we are still in this room. It has implications well beyond just this last season. 
But one that comes to mind is, would Alex Newhook still be here if Gabriel Landeskog played last season? Yeah. Would the forward group have been a bit more balanced? And would that have helped Alex Newhook in any way to strike some more consistency, build some more confidence? And it would completely change, too, the course of the offseason and the types of players then that Colorado has been targeted that made giving up Newhook necessary. And could Newhook have hit some of that potential that has been projected all this time in Colorado. I mean, Newhook gets a pretty much a full season of Erod on his line, right? With Landy in a healthy and in the lineup. Different from the Couts and yeah. the Jason Magnez exactly. combination that was last year. <laughs> it If Alex Newhook had opened up as their 2C next to Val Nachushkin and Gabe Landeskog, I would like to believe that things would have gone differently, yeah. <laughs> Uh, and even if even if uh, JT Comfer ended up in that job, you know, you could have had a, an Erod with a new hook on your third line where it definitely does change that dynamic. I think that's a, it's a great it's a great point that that I think that dynamic really does have a, a good chance of changing uh, because part of part of the issue with new hook last year was the coaching staff not being willing to live and die. With yeah. some of the mistakes and some of the, you know, we need to win games. We're out here to win games and we just don't feel like he can whatever, whatever. And I think part of the issue with them being comfortable in the increased role was that he didn't have the, the, the safety blanket. You know, the the, the kind of that, the, the Nachushkin and Landeskogs to be like, hey, I can lean on these guys to help me out with some of this stuff. Yeah. Um, especially Landeskog, who is has been a, a fixer for Colorado's forward core for such a long time that not having him as that glue guy to really bring it all together could have forever altered the trajectory of Alex Newhook in Colorado. Definitely a good point. Uh, the other one I have for kind of this, I, we're kind of bouncing all over the place at this point, but Megan's and, crushing this. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Obviously, we live in a world now where the Avs have a very established coach that they're very happy with in Jared Bednar. But what if, and you could take this in any direction, what if they never moved on from Coach Q? What if they found another coach that was more stable? And obviously, the Coach Q stuff that we know now with Chicago is rather unfortunate. But from a hockey perspective, what if the Avs of bygone eras found more stability in the coaching position? Would it matter? Did they just is not this, have the talent? Is this like hand in hand with what if the Avs weren't obsessed with first time head coaches? <laughs> sure. Yeah. Because it was like Mark Crawford in Quebec. Yeah. And then he was the guy when they got here. Then they roll into Bob Hartley, who they yep. roll into Tony Granado. And then and then it's Q, right? Yeah, Q until they And then it's Granado very back. briefly <laughs> Granado again. And then it's and then Sacco. it's and then it goes Sacco Wa Bednar. Yeah. Yep. And so the only the only like retreads were uh Q and very briefly Granado Tony Granado again. Yeah. I almost don't even want to count Tony Granado because they're the only team to do it. Yep. It was it's not like another team like <laughs> at least gave Bob him a head coaching job. job afterwards. <laughs> yeah, like they were the only I, I believe he's the only or the Avs are the only NHL team that he was actually head coach of. I know he was coaching in the league, but so Same I think I think those were almost hand in hand, right? 
Yeah. Like, like not just not just that, but what if they'd kept Q? But also, what if they were willing to go with established coaches? Picked anyone but Joe Sacco. <laughs> I mean, the real one is like, what if they had actually picked somebody other than Tony Granado after Bob Hartley? Get what there. if they picked? You know, because it obviously went well with Hartley. Uh, he won. He won a cup and then yep. coached in the NHL for another decade. Uh, but getting an established coach with that kind of championship caliber roster, uh, and and Lacroix's kind of like weird obsession with this Tony Granado experiment, um, it it arguably cost them because he was awful. Yeah, I mean he was an awful NHL head coach. Yeah, I know. Sure, injuries plenty to blame for that 0203 team, but a lot of people blame Tony Granado a lot for the failures of that super team. So there's a a lot of animosity there. Uh, this kind of brings me to another one that I have, but we'll get into it in a second because we are brought to you by Illegal Pete's. You can go get your delicious burritos, sit out on the patio, and wonder what if about the Colorado Avalanche. Uh, in the beautiful sun, three to eight p.m. happy hours at Illegal Pete's too, so you can get some margaritas, get the creative juices flowing. Gotta get in there, gotta gotta enjoy it. Eleven different locations here in Colorado, including one just a couple blocks from the DNVR bar. Great place to go pregame for tonight and the Broncos game that I definitely care about <laughs> in preseason. Look, football fans care about it, so power to you. Go get yourself some Illegal Pete's. Come down for the watch party of the Broncos game tonight. Uh, and then we're also brought to you by the folks over at FOCO, where you can get your amazing bobbleheads. You can also get licensed apparel and merchandise from pretty much every major sports team in the States, including the Avs. They got the Nuggets championship stuff. They've got Broncos. They've got uh, the other team, the Rockies. There we go. I figured it out. Uh, they've got all of that over at FOCO.com. You can use code DNVR when you go over there to their website. You get 10% off and free shipping when you order. So jump on that. Use the DNVR code. Get uh, get yourself looking cool. Get yourself a bunch of bobbleheads like the ones we have back here that are steadily fitting because we keep breaking them. But it just means we need to go buy more from FOCO. Uh, FOCO.com, DNVR code. Use it today. Third period of the DNVR Avalanche podcast. I think... A what if that sits in a lot of people's mind before we really get into the modern era. What if Patrick Waugh stayed? Didn't abruptly quit. What if he didn't quit three weeks before the season? <laughs> the immediate impacts are the Avs probably aren't as bad as they are in the 48-point season. But does that mean they don't get Kale McCarr? Does that mean they are stuck in this limbo of the Calgary zone where they're not a playoff team, but they're not bad. How much of the bad luck that they had that year follows them with, with Waz coach. Like sure. obviously that uh, obviously the bad luck wasn't Jared Benner's fault. Like yeah. it's not Jared Benner's fault that he loses his starting goaltender for the season in December. And they have to roll with Calvin Pickard and Jeremy Smith for <laughs> four months. Yeah, like that's obviously not on the coach, but you're living in a world where different things happen, and maybe you know you never know what you've changed uh, in in the alternate universe. Where maybe maybe if they keep Wild, they don't they just don't have the same level of bad luck that they did. Where 
That was a god-awful hockey team. But if you go back and look at it, it's also one of the teams with the lowest PDO yeah. uh, since since that started being like tracked, like since we started caring about PDO. It it was it was a comically unlucky team, as well as terrible. I worry about the personality clash over time in the differences in some of the players that would hopefully remain a part of the Avs core moving forward and the differences and how that became at odds sometimes with was coaching. I agree 100%. The Duchesne relationship had already been Duchesne shattered, being, obviously. Right, but... one that I write off, but wonder how that would age with McKinnon. Well, because when Duchesne got traded... The whole thing, the rest of the locker room was, hey, we want to be here. We want to do this as a team together. Are they that willing to do it under Patrick? Well, I don't know. I genuinely don't know. Um, But thankfully, I, I don't have to find out. <laughs> yeah. We live in this world yeah. instead of that one. It's, a, it's an interesting conversation because McKinnon has specifically mentioned the communication aspect with Jared Bednar is a reason for him taking the steps forward that he did where yeah. when he, when he really started to buy into that, into what Bednar was selling and he started having the high level of success that he did, it became a, a positive feedback loop where the more success he had, the more he bought in, which gave way to more success, which gave way to more buy-in, you know, and then you get, you get going, in that in the positive direction where it just builds and builds and builds and now you have a goddamn monster on your hands like you do now if that doesn't happen is it, it you know and and he never builds that relationship is nathan mckinnon uh, is his does his career look like matt duchane's a good a good center who just never lived up to the franchise changing player that he was supposed to be yeah I... so it's a that's a really big one as well, the communication and the relationship aspect, because I know that I know that there were a couple of players in that locker room were who did did not love, uh, we'll say, Patrick Waugh's communication style. There Which was uh, not surprising. <laughs> there was there was a pretty healthy amount of friction there. Uh, sure. That that when he left, it was like. Thank God. <laughs> um, of course, there's always a ton of draft ones. Duchesne, a great example. What if Tampa Bay had taken him and the Avs end up with Victor Hedman? I'm not even going to try to go down that rabbit hole because it changes everything. But I've, I, I've exhausted most of mine. Megan, any, any more you going to add or AJ, either of you? Go ahead. I, I, I want to wait on mine. I feel like it's too big a can of worms. Oh. <laughs> I'm curious what it is now. Yeah, now it will, so I teased it already with the Bleakley conversation. If they had just picked Jared McCann instead of Bleakley, what would the future of the Avs have looked like? I mean, I, I didn't want to go for pasta because I feel like that would make this conversation too ridiculous <laughs> if they had somehow selected Pasternak instead. But what if the mid 2010s hadn't just become a lost era of the Colorado avalanche is basically what you're saying. Right. And so that does feel like too big a can of worms. I mean, well, and not just that, but do you, do you remember the guy that a lot of people wanted in that, with that pick was, you know, the was, was Brendan Lemieux, you hmm. know, the family connection there. We want, we want Lil Lemieux. <laughs> So, yeah, up, but up the bite count in Colorado. That's true. That's true. 
Also, what if it had been Adrian Kempe? You want to talk about a guy that fits that's, how Colorado plays? Like that's a great one. That one would be more interesting. Yeah. The reason the reason why I discount both of Pasternak and Kempe is because that was during that was right before the Avs started giving a shit that Europe existed. Sure. That was that era where they were like it was like CHL or bust. Like they they did not do a ton of drafting outside of North America certainly early on. It was a lot of North Americans. And then with the Rantanen pick, they were like, all right, we have remembered that we can venture outside of I this mean, bubble. Did they, does that even count? That just fell into their lap. Like, <laughs> Yeah, but they, they had the, cho- I mean, their, their choice in that draft, they, the guys that, the guys that they were really uh, picking between were, um, what's his face? Were Rantanen and Kyle Connor and Matt Barzell. Yeah. So you're you're talking about two North American guys that they chose Rantanen over. And the 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 other one that teams absolutely fell about themselves and loved was Lawson Krause. Yeah. Granted it's taken some time, but Lawson Krause was another one. Like again, you're talking about all all guys that were North America and Rantanen was so different from how they had previously drafted. And the the bleakly conversation fits into that because it is really easy to just say, well, well, what if they had just taken David Pasternak? Because it's like, well, you're not going to fantasize about the world in which the Abs take Nikita Sherback, you know? <laughs> like, that's no fun. You want pasta. But you do, you know, I, I do think it is an interesting... Uh, this is where I can't speak about some of the, the what-if stuff from the 90s because I don't remember the details of all those things. Sure, But no how the abs were run at the time, they wouldn't have taken Pasternak. No, they they weren't drafting out of Europe back then. They weren't investing in it the way that they have since. And I think, I, I wonder, I, I wonder how much of an impact the bleakly failure had on them deciding we need to reinvest in this. We need to start taking this seriously again. Maybe. So we're grateful for Connor Bleakley, is what we're confirmed, saying. Confirmed, confirmed. As the ridiculous... <laughs> Connor Bleakley, good this? decision. <laughs> Connor Bleakley helped. Concussions, A+. plus. Connor Bleakley, what a pick. Yeah. Patrick Waugh, bum. Got it. <laughs> no, I I mean, it is a it is an interesting what if, because you do look at, you look at some of the guys that got drafted even at the top of the second round that year. You know, um, uh, Ivan Barbashev, Thatcher Demko, Alex no. Nedeljkovic, Vitek Vanacek. Like, it was a, a lot player. of pretty good yeah, players. Apparently. There were a ton of great goalies. Yeah. So, an interesting, um, that certainly, it's it stands out not just because the Bleakley experiment, you know, Bleakley ended up being a total bust uh, in, in Colorado, and in general. The guy got drafted again and didn't do anything. Um, but it, but also because big time misses on the guys uh, on a lot of guys that were drafted in the ten or fifteen picks after that. Yeah. Uh, do you guys do, do you any of you guys remember his first training camp uh, after yeah. he got drafted? When he and he, slow. yeah. I wished I was a part of that. Well, that's like, actually a weird thing to say. <laughs> he so I remember him stepping to Landeskog. When they so this is when training camp was still just they would just play they would just scrimmage yeah for for three hours and they would mix up the teams and he stepped to Landeskog and Landeskog put him down and shouted at him 
And it was like, at the time, we were like, oh, he's not afraid of anything. We love the rookie's moxie. And now you look back on it and you were like, that should have been a red flag. Yeah, Landy knew. Landy knew. <laughs> yeah. Landy Landy has actually been, um, you know, I, I, I think, is it Brian Burke that has said he thinks Landeskog will be a GM someday? Yeah, I think and it's Burke. I, I think about some of the conversations that I've had with Landis Cog about younger players, and he has been right about every single one of them. <laughs> both both in terms of the guys that did work out and the guys that he was a little more like, mm, maybe not so much. Got so it's been, do, yeah. it's been, it's been, it's actually interesting to think that looking back on that, I that's one of those like memories that I had where once I started covering the team, it changed because I was like, he knew, like he knew early on that there was an issue with this kid. Yep. Uh, some of the more modern ones I already so. talked about on the Denver sports cast sports podcast, as I mentioned, but if you two want to talk about them, yeah, obviously the big ones are, what if the Avs don't end up with Kale McCarr, whether that's, they win the lottery and end up with Nolan Patrick and it's a total disaster. Uh, or otherwise, uh, what if Kadri is healthy for the, the, or rather not suspended for the Vegas series? And what if the Avs end up with a different player than Bowen Byram, whether that's Jack Hughes because they win that lottery, or if Ottawa gives them the pick the previous year and it ends up being someone like Brady Kachuk? <laughs> I mean, the Byram thing, if they had one pick earlier, they have Kirby Doc. Yeah. How different is everything now? You know what? What impact does drafting either Jack Hughes or Kirby Doc have on what they do at sixteen? Do they trade sixteen? Probably do they not. Keep it? Hook, do they? Yeah. Do they just take New Hook anyway? And but they spend all of their time trying to figure out New Hook on the wing instead of center. You know, does does New Hook and Doc together on a line in say on say last year's team? Make it so that they work out, uh, you know, and and their their skill sets all, by the way, just happen to play really, really well uh, together as as a guy that should be a goal scorer in New Hook and a a very uh, quality playmaker in Kirby Doc. Like that that one alone, just one pick. Not even talking about the Jack Hughes thing, which Jack Hughes obviously has a bunch of implications. Maybe they don't get Kadri. Maybe they don't get Burakovsky. Maybe they don't do any of that stuff. I still think they get Kadri. Because Hughes would have been on an ELC, and he wouldn't have been the center in year one. He wouldn't have gotten that job in year one. They would have given him time. So I still think Kadri happens, but I do wonder if Burkowski does, because they could have played they could have played Hughes at wing. Um, they could have played him at obviously at three C as well. But they they would have had that kind of uh, that kind of option to them. Um, but I do I do I would say the uh, the cadre stuff still happens, but the what ifs after that are, are pretty for real. Yeah. Um, I, I think my, my grand, what if is what if, what if the abs don't match the Ryan O'Reilly offer sheet and he goes to Cal- the first one, he goes to Calgary uh, and Calgary. Uh, Cause I've, I've talked to people about this over the years and they say, Oh, well, Calgary wouldn't have been as bad with him. But you remember, because he was playing in the KHL at the time, when he came back to North America after the lockout, he yep. would have had to go through waivers. Yep. Columbus was the first team on the waiver wire that year. <laughs> they would have been able to claim him on waivers. 
and Calgary and Calgary would have given up their first round pick to Colorado, which ended up being sixth overall in the 2013 draft when they took Sean Monahan. So what if the Avs get that pick instead and Calgary loses out on the player entirely and they don't end up with Ryan O'Reilly and they don't end up with the sixth pick? What do the Avs do with that pick? Do they also take Sean Monahan or do they take the guy that gets drafted one pick behind him and draft Darnell Nurse? Boy. Hmm. That would be you end up in the world where your top pairing is EJ and Nurse. You'd no longer have, in this case, you no longer have O'Reilly to go get JT Comfer and Nikita Zadorov. So you never end up with, obviously, the Comfer contributions uh, to the Stanley Cup run, but you also don't ever get Brandon Saad. Yeah. So what what are the what is the trickle down effect of that? You know, do they do they make a mistake with the pick and take yeah. take uh, Rasmus Ristolainen? Oh man. Or or Sam Morin? Do they get really wild in this what if and just draft a guy named Val Machushkin? <laughs> <laughs> So How... this is this is the stuff that I think is interesting because that 2013 draft has fed this era of the Avs a lot. When Jonathan yeah. Duran l- suits up for the Avs, he will be the sixth guy from the 2013 from first round to play for the Avalanche. What? Who? Would, it's like Dano. That's the one that played ten games for them from that draft, right? That's the sixth yep. guy. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Yep, 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 yep. That one didn't work out quite as well as the other ones, but yeah. But they so it's it's obviously it's McKinnon. It will yep. be Duran, yep. and then Nachushkin, but also Zadorov and uh, Burakovsky. Uh, okay, yeah. So that's a that's a good twenty percent of that draft class. <laughs> yeah, of that just the first round. Yeah. You know, of the the guys that got drafted in the second round that year that have played for the Avs include Chris Beagron and JT Comper. <laughs> They're dedicated to that year. It's a good year. Wow. And Arturi Lekkinen. Now oh, there you go. The list goes he on. He was also in that. He was also in that second round. Yeah. So, you know, <laughs> that's fun. I wonder because you do wonder, like, what do they do? You have. You have to for there's no need for them to take Sean Monahan after they take McKinnon. They have Stasny. They have Duchesne. You know you have uh, uh in that at that point you have McKinnon. You don't need Sean Monahan. So they probably do take one of the defenders. You know Morin or um, Darnell Nurse, Rasmus mm-hmm. Ristolainen, and they were all they were all like Patrick Wah catnip because they were all big mm-hmm. guys. Is there a world where they like try to move up to four and take Seth Jones? Yeah, sure. I mean, I and I guess that 2013 draft is the obvious. Uh, what if there is? What if they did take Seth Jones? Which yeah, of course, is right. like is is more like lore than anything else because the abs came out. Yeah. They came out so early in that process and said, "We're taking a forward. We're not drafting a defenseman." And yep. so it was never, in their eyes, it was never all that close to taking Jones. But you do wonder, you know, what if they what if they had pick number two? Do they take Barkov or do they take Seth Jones? Is the temptation higher? What what happens there, you know? Because they won that lotto to move up from two to one to yep. take McKinnon. Do they end up with McKinnon at two and not a damn thing changes? Like, <laughs> it's, 
that alone, that draft and, and draft lottos are always really easy what ifs, right? Because yep. the order the order of draft is literally changing, so you don't know what the alternate universe looks like. But you know, Brady Kachuk obviously is is another one that everybody likes to talk about. But the the 2019 one is the one that I think is the really high impact one. We'll leave 2017 alone because it obviously went very very well <laughs> for the ads. It's all good. We'll leave it alone. The summer of 2017 me was upset about it. The current me. I remember okay. being being at uh, Sobo, yeah, with a with a bunch of a bunch of pals, uh, watching that draft lotto. And when they lost it and they got the fourth pick, we were all just like shocked. Yep. Like like it it, it felt like we'd been shot. Like it was the 61st loss of that season. Arguably the lowest point in franchise history. I would say so. I I think it was. Yeah. But you know, it turned out okay. I guess it turned so. out okay. <laughs> uh, that's I'm... that's like that certainly feels like the system working. A 48 point team gets yeah. screwed by the lotto, but gets a transcendent player in Kale McCarr. We cool. It's all good, baby. But ain't no thing here. Maybe karma is real. Forty-eight <laughs> point season was good. <laughs> there we go. As though we had to cap off this show. Forty-eight point season, the best thing to ever happen to Colorado. Confirmed. I'm I'm good unless you two have any more you guys want to add. No. All right, we're gonna wrap up a Friday show here. A fun one. Have a little uh, what if thoughts here. You can always tweet at us your other what ifs, and we'll be like oh god that would be terrible or hey that would have been pretty cool uh so send a send some love our way whether it's liking this video or, or hitting us up on twitter uh we are off for this weekend we'll be back i don't know if it'll be monday or tuesday we're looking at some middle sixes around the central division so should be a fun one there for you guys to tune into as we're somehow still doing hockey content in the middle of <laughs> august uh pretty impressive if you ask me but uh, look, man, if we always want, we can always draft our, our most overrated foods. <sighs> uh, nope. We can do it. We can get through with hockey content. I believe in yeah, us. We still have more left. Yeah, exactly. We love all y'all, and we will see you in the next one. <laughs>